Before I begin, I would like to have a prayer for um, a couple of the brethren. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you now and ask for Sister Tanya that you would heal her body. Father, we know, Lord, that she would desire to be with us, but Father, she's been going through a a time of discomfort and and was not able to, to get up. Father, we ask, Lord, we know, Lord, that you have the power to just speak a word and that this this um, situation can be rectified and we would give you the glory. We'll praise you, Father, for all the things you do for us. Father, we also ask, Father, for the, 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 the Miller brethren, that, Father, you would work all things together for their good. The Father, that, Lord, as they trust in you with all their heart, that, Father, you would open a way, show them uh, your goodness. Uh, today, Father. We ask this in your Son's name. Amen. Yes. Amen. We serve a God that's good. Yes. And, and he's, he's able. God's able. We, not, we may find today that we're not able. You could end up in a situation where you're just not able to, you don't understand. Or, but God's able. God can speak. And things happen. Now today, I, I'm going to emphasize um, this is part seven in the series of what is faith. And I want to emphasize by faith we obey. But I want to, I want to make the sub point that God's going to do. He's going to show us, going to give us things with just one man. He's given us illustrations. We're going to talk about Abraham. He chose one man. What a work he's done with one man. See, when you see Abraham and we study his life and we see what what God accomplished through him, this is a picture of what he would do in the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus came to the earth. He was born and he lived among us. And yet at the same time, (laughs) he was not like any other. And yet he was just like every other. See, he was a man. And yet, he had to learn. He had to learn. See, see, Jesus put himself, the word became flesh, and he put himself under this limitation so he could prove that God would never did ask too much of man. God never did. If everyone that trusts in him, God holds them up. See, it's God the one that's doing the holding up. But look at what God's shown us in this. By faith, Hebrews 11, 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed and he went out, right? Not knowing whether he went. In Genesis chapter nine, we find that the flood did not eradicate sin. That's right. See, this is, well, wait a minute. All of them, they were all taken away, right? Well, not those that had sinned were gone. But see, we find out something that sin isn't just an external expression. It's an external expression of what's on the inside. The flood didn't change the nature of man. Didn't at all. And um, neither will any kind of self-help books, any kind of, any kind of, I'll give you this special piece of information, and if you just believe that, you can create a new nature in you. That's just a lie. There's only one that can give you a new nature, and that's God. Amen. And He's willing to do it. God's willing to do it. This is good news. See, it says, Wherefore is by one man centered into the world, it would require one man to take it away. 
See, and he had to be a man. And so God solved this dilemma. Seems like a dilemma to man. This was not a dilemma for God. Okay, sin had to be put away. But see, God didn't like, wasn't scratching his head trying to figure out how am I going to do it. He had the answer before he ever made the world. See, all things are known unto him, right? But before the foundation of the world, he, 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 plan is a weak word, but he, he, he laid it all out. He, he had a determined purpose that he was going to accomplish. And um, of course, this purpose was so complicated, looking from man's view, that it could only be accomplished by God. In order to accomplish an eternal purpose, you would have to be eternal, right? <laughs> we live a very brief time. It's like a, like a, a vapor. Our life's but a vapor. Yeah. It appears for a moment, it's gone. So, but see, God is everlasting. From everlasting and to everlasting. That's our God. One man. Sin, which I've already mentioned, is a nature problem. In chapters 10 and 11, God lays a foundation for a work that's really still producing fruit today. See, what he started in Abraham was really part of the new covenant, right? It wasn't like Abraham wasn't under the law. That would come later. Moses would give us the law. Abraham obeyed, and he set the standard. God, God was leading you to do something. What's your reaction? How do you know if you really believe? You obey. Yeah. This is the fruit of believing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. God divides people. I mean, we know that. He taught us there. In, 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 the, in the chapters after the flood, he, he, why is there division? God has caused division. He's made a separation between those who believe, those who don't believe. Later, he'll make one through Abraham of the Jew and of the Gentile. Why? Because God's showing us stuff. He's revealing things that in order to see it, we have to have this division. Ultimately, there's going to be the ultimate division with the sheep and the goats, right? So, so how, do, how do I know I'm going to be on the right side? Well, do you believe? Yeah. Okay, is that belief that God's given you caused or moved you to respond in faith and lay down everything else and take up your cross and follow him? Why would you do that? Why would a person give up everything in this world? Because they know they have a better inheritance. Brother David, talk to us about this this morning. God calls out one man from this dispersion. Remember the Tower of Babel? He, he confounded their language and they separated. They went everywhere. And God, in a land of idolatry, Ur the Chaldees, way up there, we call it Mesopotamia. He calls out one man. He's going to do a work. He's going to give him promises that he didn't give to any other man. God's getting ready to do a work. He would use one man to produce a special people. Actually, they're the miracle people. This is absolutely impossible that Israel even exists. God created a nation from a man who... <laughs> Well, it was 99 years old, wasn't he? 99 years old. And um, Sarah, well, she was barren right from the start. We're going to look into this. In chapter 12 of Genesis, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country. Look at what he says to him. 
Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You are blessed today because of faithful Abraham. See, God put you into this generation. <laughs> I like this. Amen. And I will bless them. So, Abraham, what's Abraham do? So, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abraham was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. But there's some things that happened a little bit before Haran. Chapter 11. Okay. Just one man. Now, God's teaching us that there's no limits to what he can do. He doesn't need a crowd of people to do his will. Just one man. Someone who will believe. God can work through that. If he decides to create a special chosen people for himself, he only needs to do it. He only needs one man, right? Just one man. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah began Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father, Terah, in the land of his nativity, in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah. The name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Issachar. Issachar, Issachar. But Sarah was barren. She had no child. Now, I looked into this, you know, it, 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 some, of the, some of the things in the scriptures you'll find yourself compelled to, to you want to know, right? And, and, and the scriptures are, are, are uh, they give you the answers, enough answers to know that God's, do, God's doing this. Now, see, they lived in a time back before there was a prohibition on marrying your cousin, right? Now, look at this. Uh, Terah is the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, but Haran dies, but before he dies, Haran had a son named Lot and daughters named Milcah and Iscah, right? So we know this from the scriptures. It's in there. Abram took Sarah, his half-sister, to be his wife. Later, he would say, she's my sister, and he wasn't lying. It, and she would say, he's my brother, and she wasn't lying. You say, well, well, that's wrong. Well, we're living in a century where it's become long, wrong because of the genetics and all this. But God, God didn't outlaw it. I didn't read anything in the sky. I looked it through it. They didn't say nothing about this. See, if, if, if this is like the terrible sin, well, then we would only have two people, right? Adam and Eve, right? I mean, and then later after the flood, we just have Noah and his three sons. I mean, they, they would stop there. You see what I'm saying? God's done this for a reason. God's he, he, Noah had to repopulate there. Now, Adam started with one man. Well, when he, when he started out, he left the garden, one man. And look at how many people there were before the flood. Now, Noah comes after the flood. He comes out, but he's got a benefit. He's got three sons, right? So see, God's doing something is the point. God's using the resources that he has. And in our culture today, this, this may seem like out of place, but this wasn't out of place at all. This is something that God determined. Terah took Abraham, his son. Now, I, I'm going to bring this up only because... It appears as though Abram didn't leave his, his, his house. Here his father goes with him. But see, they go as far as Haran, right? And then his father dies. So, you know, I, 
it, it would be kind of interesting when you when you learn that Abram married his half sister and took Lot with him. See what he means by leaving his house and his country wasn't wasn't what some people have thought. Otherwise, he would have to have to left Sarah behind, right? She was his of of his house. But it's interesting that after he marries her, his father doesn't refer to him as his daughter. His father refers to Sarah as his daughter-in-law. That teaches us something. Well, when, when, when Abram married her, she became his, and he saw her as his daughter-in-law, which means that she was going to be in subjection to Abram, not unto her father anymore. Er. He came out. He came out of his country to go into a land that he didn't even know where he was going. Now we can see from uh, chapter 12 that it says the Lord had said unto Abram to, to do this. And, and, and from chap, reading chapter 11, we can see that God had already given him a sense of direction. Go in. He, he was on his way somewhere. But see, he, it's a big place down there. So God was going to give him some more specific direction later. But see, this was enough. And we'll find that this is the way that we live in faith, by faith. And the faith, we don't have all the instructions, but you have right now. What do you do right now? God will lead you into the path of righteousness. He'll do it. But it's, you don't get all the information. What would you do with it if you had it? What would you do if you had every single thing that was going to happen in your life? Well, it would be, it would actually be a burden, to, under, to know everything that's going to happen in the next few years. But see, God will give you today, yeah. right now. Yeah. He can be dependent to do that. Now we have a word from God on this spoken by Brother Stephen. He kind of enlightens some of this. You know, he, he's, here he is. He's standing before his brethren. And this is what he says. This is Acts 7-2. And he said, Man, brethren and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared. Oh, he adds a little something there. The other... The, in, in Genesis, it says he spoke to him. Here, it, it shows you how precise he spoke to him. He appeared to him. Appeared to our father Abram when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in, in Haran, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans, and dwelt in Haran. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed into this land, wherein ye now dwell. So see, he, Abraham actually, Abraham worked out exactly what God wanted to, to happen. He brought Lot with him, and eventually God would separate them, wouldn't he? Yep. He would get Abram all by himself because he was going to do something that required, that, that this was Abram's work. God was going to work in him a great nation. Even later, he would separate um, Isaac from Ishmael, wouldn't he? See, see God makes these separations. We find it in our own lives. As you live by faith, all of a sudden, there may be a time when things, some things are separated. Well, God knows what he's doing. I'll just put it that way. It's best for me to think of any kind of thing like that happening. This is God doing something. And when you see it that way, you can have more confidence that God's with us and he's going to help us. God appeared and called one man from one country from one kindred, he was very specific. And he's sending the same man to a land that he didn't even know exactly where. The only way, what would it take for Abram to actually obey? It says, <clears throat> by faith. By faith, 
This is, in the, and when we see ourselves in Hebrews chapter 11, you can find yourself. You can find your own uh, experiences are lived out. You see there, he, he told him to go out and he went out by faith. And that's the same way that you stay with the Lord is by faith. Abram, Abram would have to believe in the Lord that along the way, God would direct his steps. And he did. I mean, we we're not going to have time to go through all of them. Eventually, hopefully, um, you know, I, I, I think and since I became a believer, I've, I've heard people preach on Hebrews chapter 11 quite a bit. And yet it, every time they preach on it, it's still new and fresh. And you see new stuff. It's a living word. And um, so God doesn't just lead him out into Canaan and then abandon him. That's where he starts beginning to do some work in him. God gives Abram more than instructions. He does, tells him, you just get out there. No, he gives him promises. Now, this is fresh, huh? God will give you promises, too. He said, you, he, he said, you, you keep the faith, right? There's treasure. You lay up treasure in heaven, right? Not on your earth where moth and rust corrupt. You're laying it up in heaven. Now, when you get there, everything you laid up, it's going to be there for you, right? God's faithful. Abram was not given the exceeding great and precious promises that we were, but see, his was of the same kind. Okay, now his, all the promises that he gave Abram were of this world. And yet Abram saw there's more to this. That he's, he, he looked for a country, a city that had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. See, as he traveled around the land, Abraham saw his faith led him to see this is more than just this world. God's given me a promise that extends past it. Yeah. The Messiah would come to the lineage of Abraham. This is what he gave him. Just think of the magnitude of these words. I will make of thee a great nation. This was a man that that, Sarah was barren. And this is what he tells him. Now it's going to take faith to believe this. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. Really? This man was probably in a, in, in, in a country where all, they were all idolaters. There wasn't one like special of the other one. And here, Abram, God's going to make him distinct. And he's going to prove things and show us things through this one man, just like he will later in Christ Jesus. I will bless them to bless thee and curse them to curse thee. Now, you know, down to time, there's there's been God sent prophets and um I wouldn't recommend anybody mistreating one of the prophets. See, Abram, you can see later when he meets up with kings, right, that they would, God would, God would show his favor towards Abram. And he would, he would rebuke him. He, he would tell him, you're like a dead man. Why? See, Abram's special. And he would, he would become to be known later as Abraham. And um, God would do great things through him. And even those that they had contact with him knew there's something special about this man. You know, he, 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 was, um, <laughs> he was rich, but he didn't depend on his riches later. He knew he, he wasn't filled with covetousness because when, when he delivered Lot, the, the king of, kings of Sodom wanted to give him things, give him a lot of wealth. And he said, I won't even take a shoe latchet from you. I won't. He says, because you would say that you made Abram rich. And God knew exactly where his riches came from. So how does Abram react to these promises? He's been given all these promises. 
Or does he even need to react? Does Abram even need to have any kind of reaction at all? Maybe just like, well, whatever. No, see, we know we, we live through this. God gives you, has he given you some exceeding great and precious promises? Actually, that far exceed those that he gave Abram. So do you need, does that cause a reaction in you? Well, of course it does. Anytime somebody gives you a promise and you, and, and, and you live according to the requirements of the promise, now what are you expecting? You're expecting to receive that promise, that benefit of that. So Abraham did too. How does Abraham react to these promise? This is what it says. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. He was expecting God to make of him a great nation. Now, how this was going to be worked out, God didn't disclose that. We don't have anywhere where it says, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and that, and that. And he hasn't done the same thing for us, has he? There's never been another nation on this planet like the nation of Israel. Now, I know, you know, some people, they've discounted Israel in our time. But look, this nation's still here today. I mean, you look back, where... Where's the other nations? Where'd they go? Yeah. Amen. Well, see, they, they didn't have this God <clears throat> sustaining them. Now, it seemed like, you know, during different periods of time, it seemed like they were going to be extinct. Some people might have even said, see, God can't even do that. But brethren, God's going to do great things with this nation. He's promised. He's promised. Okay, now, if God breaks his promise to Abram, how can you possibly be certain that he's not going to break his promise to you? You see, God's shown us, we have the testimony of scriptures. God fulfilled these promises and he's still fulfilling some of them. Some of them still to this day are not yet fulfilled. God will fulfill them. There's never been another, you know, one place calls Abram a prophet. He told that to the king, right? He says, for Abram is a prophet. So see, in other words, don't mistreat this man because he's one of my people. He's special to God. And um, it, that whole account is, is special. Israel's a supernatural nation. I, I, I like to call them supernatural. There's no way that by nature this could have happened. God had to intervene, in other words. These are God people. <clears throat> and that it was made from a woman that was barren and the result of a promise made to a 75-year-old man. <clears throat> now, this was after the flood. People didn't live as long after the flood. And yet, um, here he is. <laughs> he's 99 when um, Sarah gets, remember, Sarah gets a word from God when he's 99. He says, a year from now, you're going to have a son. And he did. He did. <laughs> uh, many, many have tried to exterminate the, the Jews, but they just haven't got the job done. Why? Because... God's sustaining these people. Now, I, I, I made such a point of that because they're, they're a type of the church. See, this, they can't extinguish the church. They've tried over and over and over, yeah. but they can't do it because the church is um, being, being maintained from heaven, not from the earth. See, our home base isn't here. We're just traveling through this world. Our home base is in heaven. That's where our king is, right? Our great King Jesus is reigning at the right hand of God right now. That's why you can make it through the whole day and, and um, still have faith at the end. Because he's, he's holding us up. And God's record, recorded history 
of the world up to Abram, God worked in and through a handful of men. And he taught us that he doesn't need a lot of men. Here, Adam, he was a progenitor of, of, a, of a new race. Now, we know Adam sinned and, 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 and the race, but it didn't extinguish the race. This is Adam was used to do something. Abel, he proved that even in a fallen condition, Abel started out with a nature just like you have today. And that's Abel, right? And what did he do? He proved that faith could make a person righteous before God. That he, 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 his sacrifice was received because he was righteous. That's what the Bible says. Enoch was used by God to show us that God will walk with those even though, even though they're from Adam. Now, this is teaching us something. See, God, he's not, he didn't like look at Enoch and say, I, I love your flesh. That's not what I'm saying. He liked the, 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 the Enoch had faith in him. He trusted in him. He relied on him. And, and the, the fellowship got so intense that one day he took him to himself. What's that proving you? That's proving to see there, everything that you have. If you walk by faith, it can be used, sanctified and used for God. Now, Noah, what a great example we have in Noah. He taught us that even in the worst of times, in the worst of times, when God looked at the earth and he says, I only have found one man that's righteous in his generation. Even in the worst of times, we can obey and do God's will. There's never a good time to not obey. Never. If you walk by faith, you'll see that God's revealing to man that the greatness of the power to believe and to be sustained is always of him. It's not of us. But, um, well, I know in myself, God had to show me this. I think he has to teach every one of us this. That, see, we, we don't rely on the strength of our own strength. We don't rely on that. Yeah. He gives us strength. But it's his strength that's working through us to maintain faith, to do his will, to obey. It's God's working in us and through us. And see, in that, who gets glorified? Well, we don't. He says, says not by works of righteousness that we've done. We, we could never do enough. Just if you want to just look at a practical level, we couldn't do enough to be saved. But see, Jesus did do enough. He never sinned. Jesus never sinned. He always pleased the Father. In fact, at one point he says, even the words I speak, they're not my own. But God gave him the words and he spoke them. He was faithful. And so now he died for our sins and God has imputed unto us righteousness because he purchased it. Now that's a good arrangement. That's called salvation. Uh, I gave this example in here of King Saul. And, and it's a, I'm, 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 I'm looking at, like you got Abram, he believed God. Look what God did with Abram. You got King Saul, he didn't believe. He, he thought, he, he was king. I can take charge. I can, I can do my own sacrifice if I want to. But see, that was, he shouldn't have done that. And the thing is, is that he knew he shouldn't do it. But he was anxious. He wanted to get out there. Right? And Saul hadn't, I mean, Samuel hadn't shown up yet. And so he said, I'll go ahead and do the sacrifice. Well, now, this, this was bad. Later, when God gave him, you know, that I, I don't know that, um, it wasn't very long. This is what Samuel says to him. He, he says, he came. 
Yeah, I didn't put it in here. Anyway, he, Samuel comes and he tells him that he was sent to anoint him, right? He was sent to, to, I was sent to come to anoint you. And so he gives him one mission. This is his mission. Thus saith the Lord, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for them. And when he came up from Egypt, now go and smite Amalek. And utterly, now this is, God's going to detail this out for him. Utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Now, that's a pretty clear word. Samuel brings, brings, uh, Saul, this word, this is what, this is your first mission now. I, I, you go out there and I want you to do this. All right, well. That's what he that's what he was told to do. But what did he actually do? This is in first Samuel 15, 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag, right? They spared the king. All right. And the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuge that's what they destroyed. They destroyed that. Right now, God's anger was kindled against Saul for this. And Samuel delivers this judgment. And Saul came to, Samuel came to Saul and said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. This is what Saul's going to say. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Did he? No. He hadn't commanded, has he? And Samuel said, What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep? Why do I hear things that testify against your testimony. He says, well, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord. That's why we, we kept them. We kept them to sacrifice unto the Lord. Everything else we have utterly destroyed, right? And Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And he's going to make a demonstration now of, of how God feels about people who will not obey his word. He says, because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as the iniquity of a dollar. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. Now, he was still king a long time after that. But see, God had rejected him. It said that he took his spirit from him. And actually, an evil spirit came into him and vexed him. So just how serious is obedience? It's absolutely a requirement. I mean, he, he, that when you start thinking about it and you start walking in the spirit and you see how gracious God has been and revealing to us what he wants us to do. You see how gracious it's not like you do something. And he says, oh, I don't like that. He told us he doesn't like it before we done it. See, this is this. Is, we have a merciful God, a gracious God, one that is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. And that means that he's he's on our side now. So just how serious is it? We find that in an ab- there's an absolute requirement for us to be pleasing unto the Lord for him to allow us to admit uh, uh, for our admittance in the heaven. Now, it is true that he's the one that has made us pure. He's the one that's made us righteous. But at the same time, see, when we stand before the Lord, we're going to have to give an account for the deeds done in the body, whether they're good or whether they're evil. So see, what a delight it's going to be 
when, when you've walked in the Spirit and you've, you've done the things the Lord's told you, if you did sin, you, re, you repented of it, okay, and, 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 and He gave you repentance. But see, this thing is, at the end, we're going to have to stand and we're going to have to give an answer. Now, I, I think this is right. I think this is right because God's, it's going to justify God and it's going to show everyone that your admittance into heaven wasn't based on you or your works. It's based on His favor to you, His grace. Just how serious is it to obey? Well, it's very serious. What is the obedience of faith? Well, when we, we consider the Scriptures, we find that obedience and believing are somewhat synonymous, right? So you know, if you believe, you will obey. Yeah. That's just the, that's the way it is. So see, uh, grace is given for obedience. Otherwise, none of us would obey. See, in other words, if God wasn't long-suffering and He hadn't extended to us His grace, then where would you be at? Where would you be at without the grace of God? Yeah. Well, you would have never repented. Which, which one of us just woke up one day and said, you know what, I think I'm going to believe. I think that's a good idea. No, see, God has to give repentance. He has to give and, and, boy, talk about a giver. You can't outdo God. He gives repentance. Your work of faith. We're called to do His work. See, we're not called just to do whatever we want to do in the kingdom of God. Although, thankfully, He gives us work that we want to do. But you see, God's the one that's managing salvation from heaven. His Son is managing all these things. Faith's not a part-time occupation. It's not like you can believe some of the time, but then, you know, when you get off, you can do... You don't have to believe all the time. No, this is not the way the kingdom of God works. Actually, it's not... You know, you go to work, and you... Eight hours, or ten hours, or twelve hours, you work, and you give your... You, you, you work for your employer, but then when you go home, you don't have to worry about pleasing your employer because you're at home. Salvation's not like that. See, he, he's, he's purchased you, yeah. and you, you, you belong to Him. Yeah. And so, see, this is the thing. It's, we can say it's not by works of righteousness that we're saved, and yet at the same time, we're, He's imputed unto us righteous. In other words, it isn't like you say, you better live righteous. I want to live righteous. Amen. I want to live a holy life before God because He's given us um, to believe. He's given us, in other words, He's so attractive now. When you get close to the Lord and you see him as he is, faith will cry out, I want to do his will. Yeah. And, and he'll, he'll make it possible. There are those who obey not the gospel. I would recommend that. You know, this is what he says in, um, in the scriptures here, 2 Thessalonians, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. That's what it says. So what's the gospel message all about? It's about calling a people out of the earth. See, now, when the gospel is presented, not everybody stands up and says, I want that, right? I mean, you just go out there and stand on the corner and start preaching Christ. You'll find out real quick. Not everybody wants that. Some people will be very actively against that. So, see, this isn't our, our, our job as the church is to proclaim, preach Christ, proclaim the word. God's job from heaven is to activate those who he will. See, give them to believe. Now, now, whether or not this fits into some people's theology, that's really beside the point. It's God's salvation, and he gives it to whomsoever he will. So all those who believe and receive Christ, 
they've been born of above, not from beneath, right? But as many as them as received him, to them, the same ones that received him, you'll see, now we could, from our perspective, we're seeing, we preach the gospel, and so-and-so responds in faith, and so-and-so responds in faith. And that's the way it should be. But see, when you understand what's going on in heaven, see, it, 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 it all fits together. God's saving whomsoever he will. And, and that doesn't divorce our response. That provokes our response. Yeah. So see, this is salvation is of God. It's not, um, I don't think you can, you can diagnose this whole thing down to, I don't think it's supposed to be. I think, you know, he's, he, the, God, the, the apostles went forth and they preached Christ. They preached the gospel. And it says, and them that believed were saved. Yeah. That's the way, that's the way we, we, we just take it as, a, as the scripture says it. Because that's the way it really is. You present the gospel and, and whoever responds in faith, there are candidates to be baptism, right? To baptize, right? Because they believe the record that God's given of his son. And for us to diagnose it and break it down and and try to fit it into different lines of theology, though that's, that's really not beneficial. In the long run, the, 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 the salvations of God. The salvation we preach, Jesus accomplished, not us. And so as we preach Christ, those who believe will respond in faith, and um, they'll be like Father Abraham, they'll go out. See, they'll leave behind the paths of sin, and they'll come into, into Christ, and and they'll, they'll be made new, new. Now, see, um, Abram, from I looked in the scriptures, I couldn't find where he ever went back to his country. He sent his servant to find a wife for Isaac, but Abraham never went back. I think this is on purpose to show us. See, we don't, we're, we're called out of sin, out of, the, of, of this evil world. And, we, and we're not ever in the scriptures told that it's okay to go back. Even for a visit, it's not. We got to leave sin behind. Actually, every day is a new day. You got to you got to commit yourself to the Lord. Every day you wake up, put on the whole armor of God, and stand in the evil day. Every day. So and, and I don't believe that this walk can be anything but exciting. I'm not. I know exciting may be an over overworked work, but you know what? Salvation, living for Jesus, is exciting. He shows you things every day. You get into his word and you start studying it and you start seeing it's Christ. He's the one that's done all these great things. And then God gave us Christ and then he put us in Christ so that we can understand and we can we can live for him. And then what will happen in the end? He'll be pleased to be called our God. Thank you, brethren. Okay, I'm going to just go ahead and do the comments. Anybody have any comments? But the Enoch couldn't be with us today. Brother Gavin? I like this Abraham. Of course, he's, he's our father. Yes, that's right. Amen. Father Abraham. Yes. 